0: You're listening to Toe the Line, a podcast by me, Taylor Cleveland. Here at Toe the Line, we're talking all things rugby the Union with a few other sports thrown into the mix, like league, motor no sport, tennis, you get the picture, all while pushing the boundaries and making the world of the sport more inclusive. I'm ready to use my voice to make impactful change in this world, and I hope you'll join me. So let's toe the line together. Hello everyone and welcome into another episode of Toe the Line. We are on episode three, which is kind of crazy, kinda scary, kind of fun though. I feel like we're having a fun time. <laughs> um I firstly I want to say how are you? How are you doing? I hope you've had an amazing week. I hope you enjoyed a massive weekend of sport. I know for me my eyes were quite dry and sore <laughs> last night um Sunday night sorry because I had watched so much sport. I loved every second of it but you know when you just watch too much TV sometimes and you're just like okay, I need to like put something on my eyes because they are dry and sore and I need to stop watching TV otherwise I'm going to get four eyes <laughs> um yeah, it was a crazy week in the Yeah, I really hope you guys enjoyed it if you were watching. Um, I also want to say a massive thank you, thank you, thank you so much for all the support so far. I honestly, I will never be able to comprehend the amount of support I have been getting over the past few months since I started Um even just like the interviews and stuff on social media, but also just kind of since starting the podcast and the hype that was around it, I'm just really thankful for this amazing community that we're building together, and yeah, I could not be more grateful, it just fills me with so much positivity and happiness, and I get all those yummy, warm, feeling, feelings inside me, (laughs) and um, yeah, I'm just super grateful for all of you who are here, and we all, It's so great because I love having conversations. I love putting faces to the names that I see on my pages every week. And I love seeing... I love being able to chat with you guys, so to have that um, on Instagram, whether it's in the comments or through DMs, I just love it so much, and it just makes me so happy, and I just, yeah, like I said, I love the community that we're building, and I'm just really, really grateful for all of you, and um, it's only up from here, and yeah, just in my little feels this morning, so (laughs) just want to say thank you. Um... Before we get into question of the week, massive weekend, this, well, obviously Rugged World Cup was on, we had the New Zealand and Namibia game, which we'll get into, um, BG bet Australia, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, it was, oh my, I, can't, oh, I have no words other than oh my gosh, because what, Again, it was, I um, only watched the highlights because I couldn't bring myself to get up at 3.45 New Zealand time. But I'm so regretting that decision because, oh my God, it looked like such a good game. But anyway, um, many regrets on that one, but we move on. Um, we then hit the NRL. Massive weekend of N- NRL. I watched the full game of the Warriors and Knights game. I want to preface this by saying that my dad... Thought the Warriors were going to get smashed, but the opposite actually happened. (laughs) Um, The Warriors smashed the Knights, and yeah, it was a crazy game. They played really well, and now they're in preliminary finals, um, which is super exciting. And then, oh my God, supercars! We're going to get into all of this, but supercars. Oh my God. Oh my gosh. I again, I have no other words in my vocabulary to use for what that race entailed yesterday. It was so crazy. The endurance format, oh endurance season is back and I love it so much. I love endurance season. I don't think you understand how much I love the endurance format because there is just so much more room and space for not things to go wrong, but you know, so many players in the field can move up, move down, all that sort of stuff. There's always a safety car. Like (laughs) you I feel like You can't have an endurance race without a safety car, but not that we ever want them, but it just makes it so much more exciting. Um, But yeah, we'll get into all of that. But as always, (laughs) starting off with the question of the week, which was what pre Rugby World Cup All Blacks combination do you think we're missing the most in this current tournament? Um, I put out, so when I did the story, I got a lot of DMs that. One that I kept on getting, and one that I really agreed with, was the um, I was I think we're really missing in the midfield, especially the Geordie Barrett and Rico Iwani combination. I think when we saw those two play together, um, in the midfield against the I believe it was the first rugby championship game against Argentina, and I think they just played really well. I think the way they played off each other was really well, and the opportunities they gave to the backs was really good, and yeah, I just think they played really well, but here are some of the answers. So, first answer we got for what pre-Rugby World Cup All Blacks combination do you think we're missing the most in this tournament was Sammy Kane, Peter Gus, and Artie. I <laughs> I replied to this one because I felt really bad, but I completely forgot about Peter Gus Soakula, but when I saw this I was like, Oh my gosh, you're so right. Sam King, Peter Gus and Artie there. And then this this is um the comment. this is the DM that this person sent sent me. What we've lacked in previous years is physical imposing players, guys who outmatch their opponent in physical stature, having a mismatch creates go forward and while guys like Frizzell and Artie are players like that. Artie is a better this. Sorry, Artie is a vet in this match against a six, and Peter Gus is an imposing number eight. I feel like that convo with Artie at six and Peter Gus Soakul at eight would serve the ABS with some additional go-forward against the more dominant teams. We've got technically dominant players rather than physically dominant. The only other true physically dominant go-forward player I can list in there is Takiaho, so as in Sinasoni Takiaho, which um I do agree with. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I think the... um. And I replied to this DM and I said that I think in the backs we're pretty good. Like touch wood, touch wood. I think we are pretty good in terms of our back reserves and having depth in the the backs as well. But when it comes to the forwards, and I think they made a smart move when Imani Narawa went home, had to be sent home due to his injury. I think they made a really smart move with bringing Ethan Blackcatter over because he can play. well, first of all, his style of play is really good. He is, I said this last week and I feel like I should stop saying it because knowing me, I'll jinx something. But his style of play is very physical. Uh, physical, sorry. I think he is a great player and he can cover a number of positions that I really do like him. I really do like him in that flanker role. But yeah, so I really liked that answer. Um, Moving on to the next one. Oh, so I've also got another D in here. Um... And this was sent this was sent in by a different person and they'd said Dalton is a very stock sanded player. He will get it done a bit like Luke Jacobson, but don't expect too much out of the ordinary. I'd have I'd have liked to see a guy like Tom Christie who seems to have more of a hunger in there. Unfortunately I had a sneaky suspicion we may not see Sam Kane back and if he is, he'll be pushing through an injury. Now, I like to give People, the benefit of the doubt um, in all aspects of my life. um, Has it served me well in the past? Potentially not, but you know, that's just the kind of person I am. I like to see the best in people. Um, I'm saying all this because, from what the All Blacks kind of came for saying, it sounded like Sam Kane's injury wasn't too much to be concerned about and I said it in my um last podcast episode that I said that I would I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't play Sam Kane against Nanubia just to keep them safe because it's not like a huge game and again we'll get into that uh, all that's the nin- l- 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 my god girlfriend take a breath and learn how to speak English um, <laughs> but yeah so we'll get into that all that's the Nanubia nin- game but Sam Kane obviously didn't play against Namibia, and I thought that was because, you know, just just in case, to kind of manage the injury, it sounded like it wasn't a bit of, it sounded like it wasn't, like, a massive injury for Sam Kane, they just wanted to, like, be cautious, I guess, but I had had a number of conversations with a number of different people, and this message put the icing on the cake for me, because I was kind of just putting blinders on, I was like, oh no, surely not, but they haven't really come out and said too much about Sam Kane's injury, which is I guess a little bit of, like cause for concern like would you not think I'm not sure if you guys agree with me let me know if you agree with me that um yeah it's it's definitely an interesting one I hope for his sake and for the old blacks sake that he can that his injury isn't too bad but yeah it's um mm, I don't know we, we, we just hadn't really heard too much and I think maybe me being like me putting rose colored glasses on and not seeing that for what it is um potentially could be bigger than what the kind of joe blow people at home think but yeah we'll see i don't know i'm not good at kind of detecting these things so (laughs) we'll see what happens with that we've then got kind of one similar to the last one which is the lucy combo of sam shannon and Artie, balanced accurate and lethal Again, I agree. I am missing seeing Shannon Frizzell out there. I really, it sounds, from, from what I heard, from the last of what I heard, it sounds like he should be back within the World Cup, but we'll see. I think the the All Blacks forwards, were really starting to scrape the barrel, which is concerning because <laughs> we've got some pretty big games coming up, and if we make it into um into the quarters, sorry, we're definitely going to need those those experienced forwards in there and it just looks like that we're really starting to stretch ourselves a bit thin which is a little bit concerning but that was the question of the week right moving on let's get into this the weekend of score that was if that made sense I'm gonna start off with the All Blacks VNV again I have a lot to say on this game and I I did my usual kind of post-game recap I did it a bit differently because obviously the scoreline was quite big it was um all black 71 Namibia 3 I when I and at halftime it was 38 3 which I was a little bit surprised I'm not sure if I was surprised I I I I thought maybe you know the scoreline might have been a little bit bigger at halftime but then in the second half they really blew it out again to seventy one. <laughs> I I did my game recap and I had a lot of comments of people who agreed with me and I felt like I was a little bit harsh. I felt like I was a little bit harsh in the recap. I felt like maybe I was being a bit too lean, but people agreed with me and I kind of said that I wasn't too convinced from that win against Namibia. Again, we're talking about a team in, in New Zealand who are ranked fourth in the world and Namibia are currently ranked twenty one. So you would expect from an all-black side to win. Like, first and foremost, obviously they're going to win against a team that's ranked 21st. However, the thing that surprised me the most is that it's no secret that the all-blacks are really struggling in the discipline kind of area of the game. And last week against France, when they lost, they um, conceded 12 penalties to French to the French sides four. I'm pretty sure otherwise if I them correctly. This time round against Namibia, they again conceded twelve penalties. But then, uh, and Namibia conceded about twelve. That you would have thought in a game like this, we shouldn't be put, we shouldn't be put under pressure in terms of conceding penalties. In my opinion. I'll I'll put my hand up and say I've never played a game of rugby in my life. Yes, I know a lot about the game, but I've never played. So I can't really speak on the fact if you're versing a lower ranked side, should you be conceding the same amount of penalties against a higher ranked side? I don't know. In my head and from the people that I've talked to, we kind of all seem to come to the same conclusion that they shouldn't have made they shouldn't have conceded that amount of penalties. There were a number there were a couple of players that I was really imple- uh, impressed with, sorry, but just to kind of go off the stats a little bit, Damian McKenzie uh, got twenty six points to his name. Obviously he was kicking all the conversions and stuff, so you would expect that that he did get um, one or two tries, I wanna say. Um, Caleb Clark got a number of meters run. I felt like even though he's kind of ranked up there in the amount of meters he's running uh carries and stuff. I felt like he was a little bit quiet in this game, which was interesting because I think yeah, I don't know, he was just sort of maybe sort of just chilling out in the wing. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um obviously not a lot of game was played in the All Blacks 22. Because they held a lot of the possession. They were scoring the majority of the tries. and all this. um. But yeah. If we take a look at the. Yeah. Again. Penalties conceded was 12. Namibia conceded uh, 7. And then. We'll get into this. But. There was a red card for Ethan de Groot, And it was in the last 10 minutes of the game. And I feel. And again. From what the comments were saying. Under my TikTok. A lot of people were saying. That the last 15 20 minutes with the old is where they really tripped themselves up and this was no different in the in the nobia game i really struggle to say that <laughs> in game but i just feel like if you're versing a team especially that's ranked 21st and you guys are ranked 4th you're like you've got a lot of experience in your side especially at international level i just feel like maybe they shouldn't that red card could have been avoided I don't know. Anyway, moving on. Um, the one player that I do want to talk about is Cam Roygaard. Oh my goodness. Oh, where do I start? He... He had a blinder, he truly shone in that game, and I'm just so happy for him, because I think he deserves it, he really lit up the Super Rugby season um, for the Hurricanes, he played so well for them, and to see him bring that same sort of ability and energy into international games is really exciting. Majority of the comments I saw were that everyone wants um, everyone wants to see Cam Roygaard over Finlay, Chris, uh, sorry, Finlay Christie, who plays for the Blues, and I agree, and I had a conversation with someone else, and let me see if I can, okay, so this is what I said, Um, they had put up the story, and I said, it bothers me a lot that they regard Christie as being better in brackets potentially than Roygaard, I think Christie's a great player, but I just think Roygaard brings something completely different to the team, and I think he's an edge that Chris uh, Christie just doesn't have. They replied, saying Christie is good, but he doesn't have the sharpness at the breakdown for test rugby. I really like Christie when he plays for the Blues. I think he, um, I think he's a standout player when he plays for the Blues. But I couldn't agree more when it comes to international test rugby. Um, he, and then he, this person also said, "I'm going to go out on a limb and say we might get a Roy Guard captaincy in the future." And um, I also do agree with this person because and the he gave so the justification he gave for that is that he plays really calm he um seems to make really good decision like he's got really great he makes really good decisions and all that sort of stuff but all the interesting to see what happens with that back to the game though I think he played yeah like I said I think he played really well I just loved watching him play he's got this kind of style of play around him where you sort of know what he's gonna do that at the, at the same time, there's, like, this unpredictability unpredictability about him, which I also really love. Um, but, yeah, Cam Roygaard and he got man of the match, like, so he should. He deserved that so much. But, yeah, super great game. Um, one a, a couple of other things I want to touch on in this All Blacks v. Nivea game. Um, people were saying that the scoreline should have been bigger. But... If I'm correct and if I've read this correctly, um, I believe it's the biggest scoreline at at a rugby world cup or in like the last four years. I I couldn't quite come, I couldn't quite get the correct um information on that. There, I'm not sure though because I feel like I don't know. I just yeah, there was something about the game that just didn't really sit right with me. We were making lots of silly mistakes, um, drop balls. Not like, just mistakes that just shouldn't have been made in a game that, for lack of a better word, should have been an easy game for us, which it it was, but we were just making mistakes that we shouldn't have been making, and if you make those mistakes against a tougher side like Italy, who we're facing in a couple of weeks' time, or when we get to quarters like South Africa, Ireland, so on and so forth, we're just going to get done like a dog's dinner, and, oh my god, I sound like my mum just then, but... <laughs> But it's just yeah I don't know I I just it, the game wasn't convincing for me um Toanga Darcy and I hate to I hate to single people out but Toanga Thasi was pinged three times in the space of about in the space of about fifteen minutes and in any other game especially ranked against especially playing against higher ranked sides I just think. We just can't win if pe- if like people are being pinged three times in the space of fifteen minutes. Like it's just not gonna end well for us. Then to top all of it off, um, to top all of it off, Ethan Groot got red carded in like the seventy second minute or something, and it was like a um shoulder to head tackle. Could it have been avoided? Mm. I don't know, people are saying it could have been avoided, I'm unsure, again, I've never played a game of rugby in my life, nor do I ever want to, <laughs> but, so I'm not going to comment on if it could be avoided or not, but um, he has a clean record, people are saying he's either going to get two or three weeks banned, which I agree with, I'm unsure, there are, like, there's speculation that the All Blacks camp are going to contest any decision that happens at the judici- at the judiciary, because... I don't know why, but I just feel like they shouldn't because it's obvious that this is the standard that World Rugby has set for um, the World Cup. Yes, we've seen disparity amongst amongst tackles similar to this one, but from the most part it looks like um, he will get either two or three weeks, which, mm, interesting, again, like I said earlier in the episode, we're already struggling (laughs) in the forwards. We can't really afford to have any other players out, but um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, moving on to the other games uh, over the weekend. On Friday, France versus Uruguay and France won 27-12, which... I mean, probably could have been a bigger margin. You'd like to think. Um, obviously the New Zealand and Namugi again. again, seventy-one-three to New Zealand on Sunday. Some Samo- Samoa get Chile forty-three-ten. Wales get Portugal twenty-eight-eight. And Ireland get Tonga fifty-nine-sixteen. Uh Monday morning, South Africa get uh, South Africa. Sorry, get Romania seventy-six-nil. Um, oh. Fiji, this makes me so happy. I cried watching a video. Yes, I'm a cryer, but it was so exciting. Fiji, that Australia 22 15. I think I might actually do a little recap for TikTok because that is just so exciting. Um, and then. Uh, the game that I was watching this morning while I was doing my workout was England and Japan. And it was quite close there. The game was quite tight there for a while. Um, But in the last like 30 or so minutes, England put a number of points on Japan. And the final score for that one was 34-12 to England. Um, Japan held in there for a really long time. They were playing really well. At halftime, uh, the score was 12-9, I think. Think. It, it was something like that, really close. There was like th- two or three points in it. Super exciting. But that was all the games over the weekend for the Rugby World Cup. Again, super exciting weekend of um rugby in terms of the Rugby World Cup. Ouch. I just whacked my knee. Yeah, super exciting game. Um, super exciting games over the weekend. New Zealand don't have another game for a while. I think they've got like two weeks um, until their game against... Uh, I was gonna say France, Italy. <laughs> okay, let's move on to the NRL. Um, I don't know if you guys can tell, but I'm in a bit of like a frisky mood. It's Monday and I'm feeling good, so why not, Jill? Um, <laughs> um, yeah, NRL. There were two games over the weekend. The first game was on Friday, and it was the Storm versus the Roosters, um, eighteen thirteen, Super close one. Didn't watch it, but the Storm now go on to the uh, preliminary finals to this. Who are they this thing? Oh, yeah, the Kenrith Panthers, which <laughs> um, I don't want to. I mean, obviously, I think Kenrith will win. But touch wood, touch wood, I haven't jinxed it. I've not, I don't know why I keep thinking, I don't know why I keep thinking I'm going to jinx something. Because I've not jinxed anything yet. I've not jinxed anything yet. So, anyway, maybe I'm just really smart. (laughs) And then on Saturday, the game that shocked my dad, for one, and maybe some other people, was the Warriors and the Knights. And the Warriors won 40 points to 10. Um... Super interesting game. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So it was seven. Tri- oh my god, why did I just count that when there's literally it says at the top seven tries to two? Wow, well, maybe I'm not so smart. <laughs> um, but anyway, I'm just giggling now. It was seven tries to two in this game with the Warriors and Knights. Um, Warriors got such a great start. There was a try in like the first minute, the sixth minute. The sixth minute and the eleventh minute. Um, and I think when the I think when when I think it was Montoya who got that third try in the eleventh minute. Um, when he got there, I was like, "Ah, oh, okay, maybe the Warriors are gonna win because Dad was saying that the Warriors may not win." Uh Dad was saying that the Knights were going to thrash the Warriors. I don't know why he thought that, but anyway, Dad was wrong. Um, and then. The Knights hadn't even got a try. Yet. I don't even think they had much ball time at this point. Um, their first try was in the 24th minute, and that went to Nazu. Um, and then their second try was like two minutes back into, uh, the second half. And to be there when they got that try early on in the second half, I was like, okay, and they're gonna come back in the second half. But they just didn't. They didn't get any more tries. Um, I think that last try was to, um. Lucas, I think his name was. I don't know. Someone will correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure that, yeah, when when he got that when he got that second try early on in the first, in the second forty, sorry, I did think maybe the knights were going to come back, but they just didn't really put any more points on the board, and I don't think they did. And then the three, uh, the, I think there were like four tries from the warriors. Um, obviously there was that one by Dallin Washney, uh, Dallin a Washten- and I just love when he scores a try because they're usually out in the corner, although I don't think this one was. Anyway, that's beside the point. Um yeah, it was so yeah, at halftime the score was sixteen four. So it wasn't like the biggest of margins, but I did think that the Knights would get a cla claw at that but in that second forty, the Warriors just put it out to 40, and yeah, I mean, well-deserved, and now they're going across the ditch to Brisbane at Suncorp Stadium to face the Broncos, which will be interesting, mm, I I don't know, I had the feeling that the Broncos may win that one, but We'll see, I don't know, I'm not jinxing it, I've never jinxed anything in my life, so anyway, (laughs) moving on to supercars, what a weekend of supercars it was, first endurance format of the season, it was the Penrite Sandown 500, and what... 500 it was oh my goodness um qualifying let's talk about qualifying really quickly um so for those of you who don't know with the endurance format they usually uh, sometimes they'll have a top 10 shootout and sprint formats but the top 10 shootout um is always there I believe in the endurance format so they have the qualifying for I think it's like 20 or 30 minutes you've got like a period a time period window to qualify in um and there's always different tactics. Some cars will stay um, in the pit lane for a while and then wait for the wait for all the other cars to go and do their first flying laps and then come back in and then they'll go. Um, and that's usually what Shane Van Gisbergen and Brock Feeney do, both in the Red Bull cars do. And I've seen them do it quite a lot this season. Speaking of Shane Van Gisbergen, he did not make it into the top 10 shootout because he... I think he got two curved strikes, which means that um, if you get a curved strike on a flying lap, then I I believe your flying lap is null and void. So you've got to start another flying lap. And by flying lap, I mean, for those of you who don't follow those, but flying lap, I mean, it's the lap that they're pushing to get the best time to qualify and So yes, Shane Van Gugan uh, didn't get into the top 10 shootout. In fact, he qualified in 19th because he got a curb strike and his only other lap that he had done wasn't a flying lap, so he just had to go with that lap time, um, which was devastating. But I wasn't too sad because if you know Shane Van Gisdurgen, you know that he has been known to come from dead last and win. <laughs> um, so I really wasn't too worried. Um, and uh, I be- uh, so the uh, so the other rig ball driver, Brock Feeney, he got into the top ten. I think he qualified third, but then in the th- in the top ten, he um qualified in fifth. So he was starting from fifth on the grid. The two Erebus boys, Will and Brody, they, I mean, they've been having blinders of seasons this two thousand twenty three season. They. Um, qualified in first and second which is really exciting um, and that's pretty much all the goss from qualifying. Um, moving on to the race on Sunday, majority of the co-drivers, so considering this was an endurance format and the race went for like four, like four and a half hours I believe and then so they're gearing up for Bathurst so the next Race on the calendar is the Bathurst 1000, which goes for like six or seven hours. It's my favorite race of the season. Oh my god, I love it so much! But they're gearing up for that. So, this was so this race, the Sandown 500, was a time for the co drivers to get in the cars, get a deal, kind of test out some strategies, all that good stuff. So, for the start of the race on Sunday, majority of the co drivers started the race. So, I think there was maybe one. Or maybe two of the regular season drivers that started um, the race. The majority of them, like I said, were co- were co-drivers. It was super interesting because um, Shane McGizzan's co-driver is Richie Stanaway, another fellow Kiwi. He drove incredibly in those like opening fifty or so laps. The race in full was one hundred and sixty-one laps. Uh, laps. That sounded really Australian. Laps. Um, <laughs> one hundred and sixty-one laps. Um, but I think it was a little bit less because it was time sensitive because of the safety cars, which we'll get into. But yeah, Richie Stanaway, um, Shane Nangers, Bergen's co-driver, had a blinder of a start to the race. He started in 19th, obviously, like I said, and moved off about like five or six spots, which was really good. Um, there was an early safety car. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, so we had an early safety car and that was triggered by Garth Tander, who was the co- co-driver in the Penwright car. And, um... It was just before lap twenty, so pretty early on, which kind of messed up a lot of people's strategies. But I feel like these drivers and these teams are pretty well equipped equipped to deal with strategies being messed up because of the safety cars. But yeah, I think it was either uh, just before lap twenty or on lap twenty, and he went off on turn nine and lost a wheel in the process. That was a pretty big kind of. I think what started it was a big lock up, but then he kind of smashed into the wall and all that sort of stuff. And I'll put some image on, I'll put some imagery on the screen for you guys. But yeah, it was, it was a pretty, it was a pretty gnarly crash for Garth Tander and that had their afternoon over and out. Um, but that safety car really kind of made some people pitch early and change their tires and kind of do a different tire strategy and all that sort of stuff. Um, but then there wasn't another safety car until, I believe, with about like 30 or 40 laps to go. Which, so yeah, that safety car had been on lap 20. Majority of the co-drivers got out and switched on about lap Around, between, like, 50 and 60, it was a, su- it was really cool seeing that happen, a lot, yeah, like I said, majority of the cars all kind of it around the same time to switch drivers, and refuel, and do different tyre strategies, and all that sort of stuff. Shane Dangersbergen then came from about 13th, all the way up into 4th, and it was, um, uh, sorry, bearing sorry, I just need, I completely bruised past the fact that Jamie Winkup, who was Brock Feeney's co-driver, he did a fantastic job to get, um, the car into first on the grid, which was really, really cool, and then Brock took over and again, had a blinder. It, really blows my mind that that guy is 20 years old this is his second season in supercars obviously he's done super two and all that stuff he's got a pretty he's got a lot of driving behind him and even though he's 20 years old like he's super young he's he does have a pretty good um background in driving uh, in Lotus sport and like racing and all that sort of stuff but this is his second season in uh, in supercars racing the big guns and the just the way he's able to drive it so calmly, the lines that he takes, the way he's able to drive off the corners, it um, it's really impressive. Again, he's 20 years old and he stayed cool as a cucumber up there uh, on first on the grid. Um, even under that safety car where Brody was breathing down his neck, Will was breathing down his neck. Um, I think, I don't know. I thought that um, leading up into the safety car that Brody and Will definitely, and Shane, all had more pace than uh, Brock did. Like They were closing the gap, I think, at one point. The gap that Brody had on him was about three or four seconds down from about 10. um, And he did that in the space of about 10 or 11 laps. But after that safety car, it looked as though... Brock was maybe thinking that there would be another safety car, or hoping that there would be n- another safety car. I think a lot of people were thinking and hoping for that, because after that safety car, he got the get out, took out one second within the space of like a second. He had a really good restart, um, and then yeah, he put he put like two, se- mm, oh, I want to say just under two seconds on Brody, um, by the time he finished. But yeah, I think I think. Brock kind of really played that race out really well and was pretty lucky that the safety car was there because I think maybe if the safety car wasn't there, might he have got past? I'm not sure, but he won. He won the Sandown 500. It was really exciting. He's having a really great season. Brody came second. Brody kosteki came second for Erebus Coca-Cola. And then, oh, it was devastating, but also super exciting because Shane got third. Will Brown, the other this Coca Cola car was in third. That he had, um, and this was after the sa- this was after the restart, after the safety car. That he had a bit of a shake. He kind of went off, um, went off the track, and so Shane was able to get through. That I think Shane was putting him under a little bit of pressure. So um, I don't think if you've watched sa- if you've watched Shane stalk a car before in a race, you just you would hate you would hate 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 to be stalked by Shane Vengelsbergen. Because it just looks like the scariest thing. And he's such a physical driver. He really puts drivers under pressure. And it's really exciting to watch. But I think Shane put a little bit of pressure on Will. And um, Will just made a little mistake. And when you make a little mistake in, um, in Lotus thought racing, um, it usually doesn't end well. But yeah, Shane got third. So it was Brock with Red Bull in first. Brody Kosticki with Erebus in second. And Shane Wengerstig with Red Bull in third um but yeah all in all it was a great race and it was just like a really good way to end out the weekend of thought for me I just love supercars so much It just yeah I don't know I don't know what it is I just really love watching supercars and I'm sad that Shane is leaving to NASCAR next year but at the same time super excited for him um but that's kind of all the sport I watched over the weekend. So let's jump in to some headlines from around the world. First headline I have is, Salona Halep has received a four-year ban from tennis due to being caught with a banned sub- substance in her system. Um... For those of you who don't know, Salona Hallett is a former world number one tennis player um, and she has received a four-year ban in doping case. So let's read a little bit about this. Two-time Grand Slam champion, Salona Hallett, has been suspended from professional tennis for four years for doping violations. The, I-T-A, the ITIA said on Tuesday, the 31-year-old Romanian committed intentional anti-doping rule violations by failing a drug test during the 2022 US Open and for irregularities in her athlete biological passport um, during that 2022 U- US Open. Um, Hallep, who plans to appeal the ruling, had been provisionally suspended since October 2022. The four-year ban will run to October 6, 2026. Um, yeah, pretty big. I think there's been a number of doping cases that are coming to light, not just in tennis, but around the world. I feel... Yeah, I've definitely seen a number of them. But yeah, like I said, she's uh, she reached number one in the WTA rankings in two thousand and seventeen. She won Wimbledon in two thousand nineteen, and uh, oh, she so yeah, she won she won Wimbledon. She won Wimbledon in two thousand nineteen, and bet twenty three time major champion Serena Williams in the final a year after winning the French Open. Um, and sh- uh, Hillip has said that she's blaming the contaminated nutritional supplements, plans to appeal with the court of ar- ar- arbitration. Well, wow. <laughs> plans to appeal with the court of, <laughs> of arbitration for thought. Um, she's continuing to train and doing everything in her power to clear her name of these false allegations. Now, just a little bit on doping in sport. From my experience in the professional athlete career that I had it's it's an interesting one because I'm the type one diabetic um I have to have insulin every single day and that's a banned substance on in like the doping kind of scene whatever you want to call it so I had to get like a like temporary use um temporary use certificate thing that I had to have it all the time obviously because I'm the diabetic um But when it comes to supplements, it's really important that these athletes are reading what's on, like reading what's in these things. And sometimes you can't help contamination, but I've seen a number of athletes who have been caught for doping blame it on on contamination in their supplements and stuff, so yeah, we'll see what happens with that. Moving on to the second headline, Shane Van Gisbergen, who I just was mentioning, has officially been signed to Trackhouse Racing in the NASCAR series, and will be racing there from 2024. Like I said, I'm really sad about this, but at the same time, super exciting, and I'll be able to get into another motor thought racing series NASCAR. I've done a little, like, I've done a little, little bit on NASCAR. I've done more on IndyCar. Although IndyCar, I find it's not boring. I think, yeah. Anyway, I do enjoy um, IndyCar. But anyway... Yeah, like I said, NASCAR's Trackhouse Racing contains signing of Shane Van Gisbergen for 2024. SDG's NASCAR destination has finally been confirmed with the three times to the car's champion to race the Trackhouse Racing in a combination of NASCAR's three national series in 2024. Trackhouse Racing is the same outfit that sh- that Van Gisbergen teamed up with to score a stunning victory on NASCAR Cup debut at the street circuit in Chicago back in July. If you didn't see that, oh my God, what an ending to a race it was, Holy crap, I have no words, like, he is just on another level. The Kiwi Star will compete in select races in the NASCAR Cup Series, Xfinity Series, and Craftsman Truck Series. As part of Trackhouse Racing's development into a program, the team is convened as, as he embarks on a shift to the US. Um... Yeah, so he's putting up being quoted saying I'm proud of what I've achieved here in Australia but I'm excited by the new chapter in my career and the opportunities that it brings and yeah, I just think he'll do so well. I think every kind of motor vehicle he gets in, he does really well in, so I'm sure he will do well over there. Oh yes, so I thought about this one. Liam Lawson, he is currently driving for Alpha Taurig because Daniel Ricardo has like broken part of his hand or something but Liam Lawson is lighting up the F1 field, Formula 1 field. Oh my God, what? I mean, it's been a great weekend for Kiwis. Like, I just love watching people do well. He's still pretty young, but he edged out next to Stappen to qualify 10th for the Singapore Grand Prix, which happened over the weekend. Um... He, but yeah, so essentially, um, if you're not familiar with Formula Formula 1, it's a little bit different of a qualifying two super cars. In Formula 1, they have Q1, Q2 and Q3. So a number of cars get cut off in qualifying one and then again in qualifying two and then qualifying three is sort of like a top 10 shootout, but um, just like a little bit different. But essentially, Max um, Lissapin, the runaway championship leader after his record-breaking 10th straight one at the Italian Grand Prix, Grand Prix was eliminated by point zero zero seven seconds in the second session by rookie Liam Lawson, um, in the sister team Alpha Tauri. So, Red Bull and Alpha Tauri are sort of conjoined, but Alpha Tauri is like the sister team to Red Bull. That, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's just so exciting for Liam Lawson. I believe I can't remember. I think he got in points for the race. It's um, that happened overnight. Um, Actually, let's see where he got. So Liam Lawson got ninth uh, in the race, which is really exciting. So yeah, he got points, which means he got, I think ninth gets two points. I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong. But yeah, anyway, regardless, it's really exciting and super happy for him. And then the last headline we have uh, uh, is, All Blacks set to contest any judiciary charges laid against De Groot at hearing. This is what I was talking about earlier I don't know why they would do that, because it's pretty obvious what happened. But anyway, this is what they'd said in the article. The All Blacks say they will contest the judiciary hearing being faced by loose head prop Ethan De... Uh, Ethan DeGroote, sorry, for a 72nd minute red card hit on Nanubia forward Adrian Boyson in Saturday's Pool A World Cup clash in Toulouse. And exhibit A will be the Nubia team's own medical report that shows Boyson suffered a dislocated shoulder in the collision with the All Blacks pro- prop, which was deemed a yellow card by referee Luke Pierce, the shoulder contact of the head, but was later upgraded to red. The All Blacks ran in, okay, blah, blah, blah. World Rugby confirmed late Sunday that DeGroote would appear before an independent disciplinary committee in Paris on the Monday, uh, early Tuesday New Zealand time, for an offence contrary to law 9.16, charging without attempting to grasp the opponent. It will be made up of chair Brenda Heather Latu and ex players John Langford and Leon Lloyd. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why the Allglitz would want, would even try to contest that. Like, it's pretty obvious if you watched it that um, he made no attempt to grasp the opponent. His shoulder went right into the head. Uh, sorry. Boysen's shoulder went right into. To uh, Groot's head. But yeah. I mean. Not my monkey. Not my business. Whatever the saying is. <laughs> Moving on. Before we wrap up. And look at the sport that's happening over this coming weekend. I want to talk to you about a new sport slash series I was introduced to. Shout out to the person who introduced me to this. Because you know who you are. I am hooked, but in a very unhealthy way, because it's actually quite a scary series. The series I'm talking about is the Isle of Man TT, said to be the most dangerous motor sport race in the world. If you don't know what I'm talking about, because I had no idea about this race or series either. Oh my God, where do I start? These drivers or racers, uh, they're, they're, so they're on motorcycles, first all, they're not on a car, they're on motorcycles. And they're racing on civilian slash they're racing on like civilian streets slash roads um, at over 200 miles an hour, which is 321 kilometers per hour. Oh, I have nothing else to say other than what the heck. Um, since its inception, the series has um, lost 280 races. So 280 races have died since its inception, hence why it's considered the most dangerous uh, most dangerous notice thought race in the world, Um, and just last year, so the 2022 season, they had a record death toll, Um, and I've got this kind of, I've got this BBC article here that I want to read for you guys, because it's, it just kind of gives, it kind of gives a bit of context to how dangerous this notice thought race is, and kind of how crazy I think these guys are that race, but anyway, um, here it is. The Isle of Man TT is widely regarded as the most dangerous thought event on the planet. The races have been run 101 times since the inaugural event in 1907 and moved to the mountain course in 1911 which has seen 266 fatalities, 155 during the June TT event. The unforgiving nature of the TT mountain course with its inherent risks provides part of the appeal for those who choose to take part. The height speeds are up to 200 200 miles per hour or 321 kilometres per hour a major element of this challenge. Natural hazards posed by a circuit which is staged on closed public roads are obvious. Walls, hedges, telegraph poles, houses, grass banks, all line the 37.7 mile course which snakes through towns and villages and over the A18 Fell Mountain Road at speeds often averaging upwards of 130 miles per hour while the, sorry, while critics, revi- while critics regard the race as an anachronism in a modern day world in which health and safety rules have eliminated many of the risks associated with much more gr- uh, supporters will point to the fact that riders contest the event of their own free will fully aware of the risks they are att- taking um yeah I mean like I'm gonna put some I'll try and put some um like some video image over for you guys because like I said the race is wild yeah the fact that it's I mean I watched a few YouTube clips on it and stuff and it's pretty wild I I'm not sure if I'll be following it because I don't know I just can't watch stuff like that it scares me so much watching People risk their lives like that. Yes, I watch Notice 4 and like, and those guys are going pretty fast as well. But yeah, I, mm, it's, I don't know how I feel about it. Like I did enjoy watching it. But again, like seeing how fast these drivers are going is crazy. But yeah, if you're interested in a new, if you're interested in Lotus Law and are looking for a new kind of series to get into, I would recommend as much as regard disregarding everything I just said, I would recommend giving Isle of Name TT a watch on YouTube. Just type it into YouTube, then you'll get all these videos. But yeah, definitely an interesting one. Um, okay, moving on to what's happening this coming weekend in the weekend. Sorry, let me start that again because I don't know what I just said. Let's get into what's happening this coming weekend in the sporting world. Obviously, the World Cup is still on. That is a given. Um,. New Zealand isn't playing, but I will run you through the games that are happening. We have on Thursday, Italy and Uruguay. Friday, France and Namibia. Saturday, Argentina and Samoa, which that should be a pretty good game. Um, Sunday, we have Georgia and Portugal. England and Chile and South Africa and Ireland. <gasps> I might watch that game. That, I think that will be a really good game. That will be a really good game. South Africa and Ireland on Sunday, 8 o'clock New Zealand time. Yeah, that will be a really good game, I reckon. Um, and then Monday, we have Scotland and Tonga and Wales and Australia. Um, I still can't get over the fact that Fiji beat Australia. That really makes me happy. That makes me so happy. I love Australia. But just the fact that Fiji won against Australia is so exciting. Um, but yeah, and then moving on to the NRL... We have the preliminary finals. So like I said earlier, we have Panthers versus the Storm and Broncos versus the Warriors. Um, Just my predictions, just right off the bat, I think the Panthers will win against the Storm. And I think the Broncos may win against the Warriors. Um, Obviously, it would be epic if the Warriors got into the final. I think it would be so cool that... Just a little voice inside my head is telling me that the Broncos might win against the Warriors, and I—I don't—I feel like I keep—I keep selling myself, I keep selling myself short because I keep saying that I'm going to jinx people. I've not jinxed anyone yet, Um, but I just—I just think it's a a given that the Panthers will win against the Storm. I don't know. Someone will probably tell me off if I say that, but. Anyway, I'm saying it, I've said it, and I'm not gonna take it out. Okay? Okay. <laughs> um wow, what an episode that was. Episode three. I feel like and I always love getting your guys' um feedback and everything, so make sure you leave like feedback in the review. Oh my god, I just nearly took my head out with the microphone. Make sure you leave um like your feedback in the review section or comment section on YouTube but um I feel like this week was a lot more put together. I had a lot more to say. I My head was on properly, which was always ideal. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I th- yeah, I'm a lot more... The kind of like the way that I'm putting the show out, I think, is a lot more put together. Um, I think I had more notes this time, which I was able like, to refer back to, which um, I think worked really well. But yeah, I think this was a good episode. Episode three... still new we're still infants here um Um, I feel like my personality is coming out a lot more now which is always good and um someone a couple of a couple of people actually messaged me last week and said that they like how I have these little quirky sayings or I just kind of say whatever comes to my head which is pretty much me in real life I just say whatever comes to my head I say silly things sometimes but you know, that's what makes me me, and we're all individuals, and we're all we're all different, okay? <laughs> anyway, that was my little inspirational TED Talk for the end of this episode. As always, if you're listening on any of the audio platforms, make sure you give me a rating and leave a review. If you are watching on YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe button. You can't miss it. It's big and red. Um, give me a like if you liked it, um, and leave me a comment, but also just do what you want you know, just do what you want, do what your heart tells you to do, if you're going to do anything, say it with your chest, Um, but yeah, that is me done for this week's episode, Um, take care of yourselves, be kind to yourselves, and be kind to one another, because kindness is what makes the world go round, and we all love kindness, Um, but yeah, have a great rest of your week, and I look forward to seeing you guys back here next week, bye!